pandemic hit, Jerry Colber, co-creator of National Geographic's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild, alongside his producing partners, discovered that they had two things at hand, a lot of time and a lot of ideas. As a result, they used the ideas they had for their future TV projects and created Who Smarted, a podcast for curious 6-10 to year old kids using narrative, humour and fun to teach science and history. The podcast became a huge success and later went on to receive 4 million organic downloads in a year. In today's episode, we sit down with Jerry and discuss how his work in theatre, doing off-Broadway theatre shows, started his career in content creation, which later moved into the space of television. Jerry also explains why finding your niche is so important for podcast success and why niche media mentions create a larger bump in listenership than mentions in broader, more well-known publications or outlets. And finally, Jerry shares his experience on the Palmetto Debate Squad with US Supreme Court member Ketanji Brown-Jackson when the two were in high school together. Enjoy the show. Disclosure, this episode contains a client of an Espacio portfolio company. So my name is Jerry Colber. My background is as a content creator, mostly uh, in the world of television and streaming series around uh, science and education. And uh, most recently, we've uh, created a podcast called Who Smarted, which is a three times weekly, very fun scripted podcast for kids that teaches them all about science, history, uh, any questions they have about the world. And um, we started it in October 2020, and it has become one of the fastest growing family podcasts uh, in the world. Fantastic. Well, thank you for joining me today. And we are going to get into Who Smarted. But I do want to know, like, I'm curious now, how did you get started in this uh, industry of like content creation? And yeah, how did it all begin for you? Yeah, interesting question. Um, so I was always interested in theater when I was in um, junior high and high school and was always working with uh, plays and theater groups and also was always um, creating audio shows. And I, I, had, I worked on the, uh, even in elementary school, I worked on the elementary school, like, quote unquote, you know, radio station. Um, so I've always been somehow involved in content creation. And then it was just very clear to me when I went to, to college that I really wanted to um, produce and create um, media, whether that was theater, film, television. And I ended up doing theater for a bit um, early in my career. And then uh, just wasn't able to honestly, you know, couldn't really make ends meet in New York City doing um, <clears throat> cool off, off Broadway theater. And uh, ended up uh, working in a, a Broadway theater. And that led to me working in um, television uh, with Dick Wolf's company on some big uh, crime dramas back in the day. And then it's just kind of gone from there. And eventually I, you know, I've always been a huge fan of uh, just science and technology and, and how those, those are such key parts of how we progress as a society. And about a decade ago, or maybe 12 or 13 years ago at this point, I, I really wanted to figure out how to marriage my love of science and education with what I knew about entertainment. And that's how I've got, uh, got on the path that I'm on today. Fantastic. Well, it's wonderful to hear that you've always had a, a passion from the, for this from such an early age. And um, I, I, I think maybe like you might have answered it a bit there, but I would really love to know specifically, like, where did the idea come from for Who Smarted? And like, how did it begin, like from its conception? Yeah. Okay. So who smarted? So because who smarted is an audio podcast that 
that specifically that format um, was appealing to us uh, when we started it because we were uh, early in the pandemic. And um, I'll, I'll just take you back a little bit so you can understand why we were even thinking of doing an uh, educational podcast for kids. So um, my producing partner and I uh, created a show called Brain Games for National Geographic Channel. And that was the show that at that inflection point when I was like, how do I marry my love of science with what I know about making uh, really great entertainment? And Brain Games was the result of that. Brain Games was like the science show I wish someone had made for me when I was in high school <laughs> and like loved science, but could not get my head around how it was taught in school. And um, so Brain Games put us on a path to uh, really being able to make basically the best, you know, educational entertainment um, that's out there. And we, we made a series for Netflix called Brainchild. We've done a ton of other projects with brands and, and all kinds of other stuff. And that is just, it just gives us such joy to be able to make complex topics um, understandable to people, whether we're talking about psychology, technology, science, health topics. And we had, you know, a bunch of projects lined up back in 2020. And then like, everybody else, everything came to a screeching halt. And after we realized, you know, after about a month, we're like, oh, this is not going to end anytime soon. Um, and we're not gonna be able to shoot any of our TV shows. We, we realized, you know, we had all this stuff we wanted to cover when we did Brainchild for Netflix, all of these topics for kids that we just knew were so interesting. And we knew we could make them interesting, um, even for kids that weren't necessarily excited about science, we knew how to get them in, in, excited. And we thought, how can we do what we do, but not be able to actually shoot anything? And the answer was, oh, podcast, because we could write, we can record remotely. Uh, it didn't require big crews or being together in person. And so that's how Who Smarted was born. It was born out of a passion for, for making uh, education exciting, for igniting curiosity, and then just also born out of necessity. You know, a bunch of us just sitting around going, we're not going to sit around doing nothing for the next year. Let's, let's, make, a, let's make something great. And that's how it started. That's awesome. I love your persistence there to not really just like sit around and do nothing, but actually make something, like you said, out of necessity uh, with the things that you've got. And I also have to say, um, my girlfriend's actually a huge fan of brain games. When she found out I was going to be interviewing you, she was very excited uh, to listen to this <laughs> awesome. episode. Uh, so that's that's really great. And um, I please tell her I, hello. What's her What's her name? Uh, Gozde. What's her name? Gosday. It's complicated. Gaz She's Turkish. Gazday. Okay. <laughs> Please tell her hello from, from, from the brain games, guys. <laughs> Will do. Thank you so much. I mean, a lot to, uh, but like, I do realize that you've had so much success really with, uh, who smarted. I understand that you got like 4 million organic downloads in a year, which is incredible. So congratulations. Thanks. Uh, I would love to know, like, how did you do that? And what advice would you give to other podcast listeners? Uh, that want to re replicate your success. And uh, I should probably sure. get a pen and notepad out myself here. <laughs> well, I'll, so first of all, I have to say, like, it's funny. We, we started the project as it was kind of a, you know, like I said, it was fun. It was a passion project. And we are TV and streaming guys. And so, you know, our, our process is we develop shows, we sell it to a network, they finance it, and then they handle all the marketing, distribution, they may may share the numbers with us or not. So, so podcasting was very interesting for us because, you know, we were as a podcaster, as you know, you get very direct uh, feedback from your audience. You also can very quickly see how many people are listening, but we have no context for any of that. So we didn't like 
we didn't really understand that the show was doing really well until someone looked at our numbers and was like, you guys have like a hit podcast and like, okay, cool. But that's not really why we did it. And I think that, I think that is a little bit of the key to why it's, it's successful is that for us, it was always um, mission driven and passion driven and, and, and quality driven. And so, you know, I think if you don't have, um, the first thing I think is you have to have great content. You have to have a, a unique POV. You have to be offering something your audience isn't getting somewhere else. And it has to be done really, really well. There's so many podcasts out there now that um, to break through the noise, you have to have those three things, unique POV, uh, something useful for your audience and at and a quality, a level, a level of quality. Um, those are not enough to have a hit podcast though. I think the next thing you need is a persistence, um, uh, you know, a willingness to persevere through, uh, you know, the early months or even years where we're just not, not that many people are listening. Like we had like the first, the third month of Who Smarted, we were excited, I think, because we had like, a th we broke like a thousand listeners in a month. And we, you know, it didn't really grow that much that quickly. And then the, the growth just sort of like, like a something, something happened and a, uh, a fuse was lit at some point about a year in and it just kind of just exploded exponentially but initially you're just like you feel like you're you know you're almost like creating for for no one because you don't feel like anyone's listening but but actually if you have a few hundred people 500 people a thousand people listening and they keep coming back that's how you build an audience those are your fans and you um the next thing i would say is really encourage your fan base to tell other people about your podcast uh you know constantly remind them to share it uh tell other people tell them it's fun to listen you know fun to listen to and talk about with other people like encouraging your community to to be your advocates is is huge um what else can i tell you we did you know we haven't done much marketing we did like we did a little bit of facebook advertising at some point like maybe mid 2021 um and it, it did bring some attention and listeners but to be honest it was so expensive it just was like you know it just didn't make sense to keep doing that um i think in our case we kind of you know the one thing i would say is that uh that maybe is a little tough to replicate is like we we are experts at creating educational content so we already have that background right so we were coming to this with an understanding of how to make education really entertaining and fun. Um, we also really identified that there was a white space in the podcast market. There just was like very, very few great podcasts for kids um, that were scripted and fun and educational. And so we saw there was an opportunity there um, to not have to compete against a hundred other pod, you know, like if you're doing like true crime podcasts, like there's like a million of them, right? So. That is another thing I would say is like, if you can figure out a niche that is not being served and, and create a show that serves that niche, that's, that's a, great, uh, a great way to give yourself a little bit of a leg up. Um, I'll stop there because I feel like I just said like 100 things. Yeah, but 100 things that are truly very valuable, I think. And it's quite interesting because I do remember having a, a podcast conversation with uh, some, a YouTuber, her name's Sarah Funk. And she's quite mm -hmm. a successful New York-based um, YouTube kind of YouTuber where she t does like travel 
videos specifically initially for New York, but now she's gone all over the world and she's become very successful. And on uh, this call we had, she basically said uh, something along the same lines. One thing that really stuck with me is she was like, you need to have consistency, high quality and add value. Mm -hmm. If you produce videos with those th three things and you're consistent and you keep going, then you will have success. And mm -hmm. she said the same thing for, for such a long time. She was like making videos for almost no one. And then mm -hmm. I think one video blew up. And after that blew up, then it kind of snowballed from there. So it's, I think that there is like these key ingredients, definitely when it comes to creating content and publishing online, yeah. which is, yeah, runs throughout, not just in podcasting, but also in videos, it seems. Well, I'd, I'd echo, Gek, I don't, I don't know if I use the word consistency, but I think that's incredibly important. Like we... For some reason, I you know I, I wish I wish I could say that we were doing this because we were smart about it, but we just decided we had a lot of time on our hands, so we were like, let's make three of these a week, and that's actually insane. Like nobody should be making three 15-minute scripted produced podcasts a week. <laughs> it's just a lot. Um, but uh, the result of that consistency is that anytime someone found us. They knew that there was going to be another one in a couple of days and the back catalog became very big very quickly. So you had an audience that could go back into our old episodes and just binge listen. And, um, you know, it's we, we've now figured out how to maintain that that cadence of three weeks. But even if we were doing one a week, that consistency of like, it's you know, it has to come out every week. You can't you can't train people to expect your podcast and then disappear for for months you know um we, we've all seen we all have subscribed to podcasts that do that and then it's like they kind of just fall off the radar because you're you know you're not aware of them anymore um but i i agree with her like adding value and quality content that's like number one you mm -hmm. know if you can't if you can't do that then you don't you're not going to have a successful podcast hopefully you're enjoying the show and if you are make sure you subscribe and never miss an episode you can find us on all your usual podcast sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, and a whole lot more, including YouTube. And we want to hear what you think, so be sure to leave us a review. Just search Brains Bite Back wherever you get your podcasts. Now, on the subject of adding value, I have to say, your episode ideas are incredibly, like, novel and like in the sense that they are so bizarre and so variant <laughs> like it's incredible that you have the uh, like creativity to come up with them like i really want to know like how do you get these ideas and where do you get them from and <laughs> how do you put them together sure well i i i want to say i do not come up with the episodes at this point early on um my my producing partner adam davis who is uh i i often describe as the guy at the company you go to when you want to have fun um, he's our, he's kind of our resident, uh, writer, creative genius. Um, you know, he's, he manages the whole writing process, you know, at the beginning, we, he and I were writing and creating all the episodes, but because we're doing so many, we had to go back to our stable of writers from our other shows like brain games, Brainchild. We've got new writers that have come in. Um, and so it's, there's two ways that the episode topics come up. Either we have a kind of a running list internally of like, you know, it might say something as simple as like, um, you know, blankets or birds of prey. And then, you know, something that we've thought of that would be interesting. <clears throat> and then we say to ourselves or the writers, uh, hey, come up with a fun twist on this, a weird novel way to approach it. Or more commonly now, the writers are so into the way we think about the show 
that they'll pitch to Adam um, the fun twist on the idea. And then, you know, he helps them refine it and, and make it work. Um, so it's, it's a team effort, I guess, is the, is the way to put it at this point. It's a very fair and diplomatic answer there. <laughs> I, it's true. No, I'm that's not, fair. That's fair. I think that's, that's good. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not coming up with uh, dozens of great episode ideas every, every month myself. Well, I think that's the best way of like um, producing creative work in the sense that you get a lot of bright minds, you stick them together and everyone collaborates. And yeah, that's the, that's when the best work comes out, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, I want to, I want to say one more thing about podcast success, actually, well, mm-hmm. just popped into my head is I think it's really important um, to, to just also take a step back and say like, defining what that means for you as, as a, as a content creator is really important because like we're not trying to be the, the we're not trying to be on the top 100 charts of podcasts, but we are trying to be um, a meaningful and successful podcast for a very specific audience, which is like six to ten year old kids who are curious about the world and want to learn more about science. Um, you could have a podcast that's that's fantastically successful, but for such a small niche that it's never necessarily going to break the charts. But if the three thousand people that are into the thing you're into are like they are and they are all like fans of your podcast and so around it then you have a successful podcast so i think it's really important to define success not in terms of um numbers and and charts and all that but in terms of like what are you trying to achieve you know because it's very easy in today's like we're all like everything's always like a ranking and number one this and the most expensive that and the richest this or that you know and it's like just like step back from that and say like what do i want what is what would success look like for me and then also making sure like if you're like if you're doing a if you're if you decide you want to do a podcast about 16th century clocks that uh have emeralds embedded in the you know clock face well there's not gonna be that many people that are necessarily into that so you're not gonna have you know you're not gonna be the number 30 on on the science chart but you might find that the 2000 people who are into those kind of clocks all love your podcast and then you've got a successful podcast so i think it's really important to like define what that means for yourself yeah that actually reminds me of a conversation i was having with another content creator and they were talking about how they define success and how it is wonderful of course when you post something and it gets a whole lot of attention online but for them they were saying that above everything the thing that resonates with them the most or the thing that means the most to them is like when they see the impact of their work, specifically if they'll receive an email from someone saying like, thank you so much for your podcast or thanks. Mm-hmm. And it, they know that it's had like a genuine impact on their life or it's like really like enlightens them or raise their levels of happiness or knowledge or, or anything along those lines. And I think that um, that's something that's so easily forgotten when you're a content creator that, that the those numbers don't always reflect those kind of like, uh, individual messages. That's that's absolutely true, and I, I'd say even more. Like I can give you an example. Like so, we've been we've been written about a bunch at this point. We've been Apple uh, Common Sense Media pick for kids. We've been in the New York Times, but you know, th- and those those have all been been helpful for audience growth. But it's interesting. Like the more niche the mention of the podcast, the bigger a bump we see from it. So um, while we see a little bit of a lift when we get the mentions in like broad magazines or you know on a, on a big website it's when 
like a uh, educate like if we have um, we do a lot of interviews on podcasts that are run by really innovative educators or people just talking about you know bringing fun into the classroom, and even though they might have like not a huge listener base, those listeners are all every one of them is interested in what the kind of thing we're doing, and so we end up seeing a bigger a bump in our listenership from the smaller podcast, and I think that is an interesting thing to think about when you're creating a podcast is like in a way it's like small is big. Like your impact is bigger if you have a smaller focus, if you can be very narrow, it's like um, there, there's just so many people doing such large things that are so well-funded and so dominant that like, if you can say like, oh, I'm really into this like small, like slice of this thing. And I know there's, you know, the world's big enough that there's other people who are into it too. If you can like really be focused on that, I actually think that small, smaller is bigger these days. That makes sense. Yeah. And I suppose that comes down to that niche, um, finding your niche and just really like sticking yourself in there. And uh, like, like your clocks example, which uh, <laughs> I mean, I suppose that's a demonstration of the creativity that comes out of your head coming off, uh, coming out of that uh, completely at random. Um, I love it. That's a, that's a prime example of that. I would love to know, um, do you have a favorite episode so far? Is there an episode for you, which really stuck out as one that either you enjoyed uh making or you just really think yeah it sticks out in your mind really um there was a couple of recent ones yeah that uh, i really loved they're all they're all fun to make that there was one that we did on seat belts a few months ago that i just thought was just really fun um because it really gets into like it helps kids understand why seat belts are important but without being luxury and uh it was kind of a back to the future episode where the narrator goes back to a time before seatbelts were required in all cars. And it's just, it's, it was a lot of fun. Um, uh, and then actually it was another episode that was also back to the future one uh, that we just did on, on pickles that literally was like, I think we actually referenced the movie back to the future where the whole episode is about how pick, pickles, uh, how cucumbers turn into pickles. And the first scene of the episode is a pickle yelling at a cucumber. Don't, go into that into that jar don't go in the jar you're going to turn into me i back i come back in my time machine to warn you you're going to turn into a pickle and so it was just like this great uh this great way to help kids right from the jump understand like pickling is a process of time it's a cucumber turns in you know goes uh, through fermentation and then the whole episode we kind of walk them through it and at the end the pickle and the cucumber meet again and you know so it's these kind of like really i don't know that one is just really fun uh and inventive but Honestly, there's so many episodes I love. I mean, we're, we're at, I mean, I think we're at like 230 original episodes at this point. So um, I can't think of any of them that I haven't really enjoyed. That's awesome. I love that concept. And uh, I think, yeah, inventive is definitely the right word to describe that. Uh, I, I, I'll have to go back and uh, take a listen to that. So I would love to know, really, like, what is next for you folks? You mentioned that you're like coming up on like, or you've surpassed 200 plus episodes now what's on the horizon for you folks uh do you have anything new that you're planning on rolling out and uh yeah i'd love to hear it yeah so well i mean we're just we're the podcast is just going to keep on chugging like we we love putting out the new episodes every week uh we love the feedback um we we're seeing really big uh, organic growth in our listeners and, and so that's going to keep going but new new stuff so we are um we get asked all the time by parents and kids you know can you teach us more about like 
space or the ocean or Greek mythology. Like we want to learn more from you guys. And so we're rolling out these really fun, we're calling them smarty camps. And they're really fun, immersive video adventures that have all of the fun of the podcast, but like with actual video with, with actors and special effects where we take the kids on, you know, hour long journeys, deeper dives into the kind of topics that we cover on the show. So we have space camp, um, we're working on sea camp, we're doing dinosaur camp. And the way that we do it is it's each camp is three, three one hour immersive video adventures and the kids log on from anywhere um for the you know for the for the first version of it they can actually interact with the narrator in real time um for sea camp we're going to get have a real marine biologist they can, they can talk to live and ask questions so we're launching these these just awesome camps and um we're just we're very excited about it and we we did a we did a test run of one last year and it was just like so so much fun and the kids loved it and so that's our that's our next big project is getting these camps up and running Awesome. I, I I think I'll have to sign up for C Camp at some point. That sounds you will uh, love it. <laughs> that sounds very <laughs> enjoyable. Um, well, we actually, it's funny. We we design like not just the podcast, but the camps as well. It's all done with the filter of like obviously making it fun and exciting for kids, but mm-hmm. also making sure that adults in the room, at the very least, are wanting to to like run out of the room and ideally are really enjoying it. And I think we hear from parents all the time, like they're like, hey. I play who's smarter in the car and when I'm driving my kid to school and then like, I kind of keep listening to it after they get out of the car. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. we love hearing that. Yeah. Well, to be honest, I mean, looking at a lot of the topics I've seen on there, there's lots of things that I feel like I could learn. And there's lots of things that like, uh, if a child or anyone asks me, um, the, the topics you discuss, I'd probably have a difficult time maybe articulating it. Um, so I feel, I feel very much like, it's not just for for children but yeah for all ages everyone can learn something from this i definitely get that i did have one question actually uh i know it's a bit of a curveball question but i recently discovered that you and katanji brown jackson were teammates in the palmetto debate squad when you were younger (laughs) and i (laughs) I thought i had to just like ask you about this Uh, i'd kick myself if i didn't have the uh didn't didn't take the time to ask you about this but i'd love to know what that experience was like on that debate squad and um how yeah what that was like for you and and how that maybe influenced uh, your career in any particular way or your outlook on life uh well you know katanji um katanji has spoken a lot about the debate squad and and what an influence it was on her and and the way she thinks about the world and you know, it, 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 I, I echo that, that, that debate team, Fran Berger, who was our teacher or debate coach, um, was extraordinary. She took a bunch of high school kids and taught us how to think logically, how to think creatively, how to create arguments that made sense. Um, she took us traveling, I mean, it was the nationally ranked squad. So we all went traveling all over the world. So we learned, you know, all over the U S so we learned, you know, how to travel, how to be self-sufficient, um, but just being on that squad with all of those people who were so, so smart and uh, so good at crafting arguments. And it was, it was incredible. And it did actually uh, very much shape how I think about um, presenting ideas and how I think about even writing and, and, and what I do now. And, you know, Katanji was uh, a star even then. I mean, she was like incredible. She was, she did extemporaneous debate. It was just fantastic at it, of course. And um, 
yeah, it was, uh, it's been, it's been very exciting and, and frankly, uh, like heartwarming to see her becoming a member of the Supreme Court. That's amazing. I have to say, I, I don't know if it's a cultural thing, but I swear I only see debate squads in like uh, TVs and movies. I'm not sure if they're a big thing in the UK, which is a real pity because like, I don't ever remember them being something which I was aware of like growing up, but I can imagine that the, the skills uh, and like the mental kind of like cognitive abilities that it gives you must be like fantastic, especially to do it from an early age. So I'm, I'm very jealous if I get the chance to encourage my children children if i have them one day then uh, i would definitely think that that's a, a fantastic thing to take part in it is you know and i um it wasn't it wasn't like a huge debate's not a huge thing in the u.s i mean our squad was it was maybe 25 people um but i did and the, the kind of debate i did was the lincoln douglas debate where which was based on um, a famous uh, debate between presidential candidates uh, from back in the 1800s and I, it forced me to learn how to take opposing positions on the same argument, right? So you could be arguing uh, pro-choice one session and anti-choice the next session, and you had to get to make arguments. You had to understand how to make the arguments from both sides. And that trained me to be able to see all sides of an issue. And I, you know, that's been invaluable in my in my career as a TV creator because it, it lets it lets me kind of like look at everything from like every angle and kind of understand it. Um, and I think that's really helped me as well in terms of how we relay ideas in brain games, brainchild, who's smarted, you know, just the ability to understand how other people look at something and then communicate in that way. Uh, I can imagine. Definitely. Now I want to thank you once again for joining me today. Those are all my questions. I've got no more, no more curveball questions for you. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you're, the, you're the first person who's asked me about Kitaji, actually. It's really? Funny. Yeah. For I mean, I, my, my friends, you know, everyone's aware that I, I, you know, knew her in high school, but uh, yeah, it's nobody's, nobody's asked me about that in an interview. So thank you. That was a curveball, but that was fun. I'm happy to be the first. Now, um, <laughs> I, if people do want to keep up with the work you're doing, uh, or who smarted or anything uh, that we've discussed today um, well not anything but anything related to you or the work you're doing sure. uh, how can they do that so the best way to keep up with all things who smarted is to go to whosmarted.com and sign up for our free newsletter which is uh, very rarely we're very rarely selling anything mostly we're sending free activities and cool science stuff to parents um, from our, our newsletter at whosmarted.com but we will keep you updated on the camps and all of that um, as well. Also subscribing to the podcast, wherever you're listening to Sam, uh, click over to who's smarted when it's done and, and sign up for who's smarted and you'll get all of our episodes. Um, myself personally, I'm mostly on LinkedIn, Jerry Kolber, K-O-L-B-E-R. Um, that's the easiest way to keep up with me. Fantastic. Excellent. Once again, thanks for joining me today, Jerry. Thank you, Sam. Growing a company has many hurdles, from securing funding to expanding your business capabilities to ranking better on search, each business challenge is uniquely complex. The solution to these challenges is growth-focused digital PR and marketing, and that's where our sponsor Publicize comes in. Publicize sets itself apart from traditional PR companies. It does not charge large retainers or churns out press releases whether you've got a newsworthy announcement or not. Publicize builds on your business's online presence and gets high quality PR and media coverage for startups and entrepreneurs who are priced out of a broken PR industry. 
And for a limited time only, exclusive to Brains Bite Back listeners, you can receive a social media assessment as part of your package for any tier of service at no extra charge with this special promotion. To find out more, visit publicize.co slash BBB. That's publicize.co slash BBB. This is the end of today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this and you want to hear more episodes just like it, then follow and subscribe to Brains Bite Back wherever you get your podcasts. We're also available on YouTube under the channel of our publication, The Sociable. Just search Brains Bite Back and you'll find all of our episodes there. We really love hearing what you have to say. So leave us a review on iTunes or on any other podcasting platform to let us know what you think. You can also reach out on Twitter at, at The Sociable. And finally, go to sociable.co where you can find all our episodes and plenty of articles on topics just like this. Thanks again for joining us and until next time, stay safe and stay healthy. Hold up. 